Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. My name is Madison, and I'm out here asking people what they believe. What do you believe happens when you die? I believe I don't know. Okay. And, and I don't really care. Okay. But I'm, wait, I'm willing to wait and find out. Yeah. <laughs> Weird you're asking me that. My husband just passed away. <laughs> so um, I think you go to a bigger place of yourself. I think you're more, you know, you get bigger than what you can be in the physical. When we die, we go back to our infinite lives. I believe that if we believe in Jesus as our Savior, we're going to spend eternity with God the Father. And if we don't, if we've rejected Christ, then we're going to spend eternity in damnation. Good morning. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Welcome to everyone here in the Worship Center on the Modesto campus. It's good to see you. It's good to be together. If you are here for the very first time, we want you to know we're really glad you're here. We hope that today is a great encouragement for you and that by being here today that you are strengthened and built up. If you're with us online, I'm so thankful for our online campus that you can stay connected with us through this way. And you can see me, but I can't see you. And so I just want to warmly invite you to come to one of our physical campuses we would love to see you in person and to worship with you together. I want to say congratulations to you, my friend, for your two kids being baptized today. That was totally awesome. Love seeing that, right? Celebrating together. We've been walking through our statement of faith as a church in this series, Belief Series. In Article 10, for our faith, statement of faith, it says this. We believe and accept the following statements as essentials for the unity and practice of the members of this church. It's why we, we have been resourcing you. We have now eight weeks of teachings we've done on this. You can find those on our website. But you can also go to bigvalleygrace.org believe and you can find a bunch of resources that we've put up and those are coming up every week to continue to equip you so that you might really have as foundational in your life these core beliefs that we have in Jesus Christ from the scriptures. So we come today, we're now at statement number seven in our statement of faith. It is about human destiny. And if you're using the journal, we're in week number eight of the journal, page 175. If you need a journal, you can go to the Nook, our on-campus bookstore, or you can download it for free on our website. I would encourage you to utilize the journal. It's a great resource. So statement number seven about human destiny, it says this, 
We believe in the eternal life of all believers in a new heaven and a new earth and that upon physical death, they go immediately to be with Christ in heaven awaiting their future bodily resurrection at the second coming of Christ and in the resurrection of all unbelievers to stand before the great white throne judgment of God from which they will be cast into eternal fire and everlasting punishment. Whoa! You know, as we look at this statement, the first two sections of the statement, it's like, wow, that is really encouraging. Wow, that is really exciting. We get to the third section of this statement, it's like, wow, that is really sobering. That is really sobering. And so we're going to take this statement, we're going to break it into three chunks. We believe in unity, three truths, three truths regarding human destiny. We believe in unity, three truths regarding human destiny. The first two are going to be like, wow, that's really exciting. The third one is pretty sobering. And then we're going to come back around in John chapter 10 to find some encouragement very personally from Jesus. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 10. That's where we're going to end up. We're going to spend some time, significant time in John 10. If you don't have a Bible, we want to get you one today. Just come to the altar room right after the gathering. We want to give you a Bible. We want everyone to have a copy of the Word of God. So truth number one, we believe in the eternal life of all believers in a new heaven and a new earth. This is at the heart of the gospel. When, when we talk about the gospel, this is at the heart of it, that there is more than the suffering in this life, than the sin of this life, than the pain of this life, than the curse of death in this life, that there is hope, hope in Jesus Christ for something more, that as a redeemed believer in Jesus, our life can be changed and renewed right now, that we can live differently right now, and that we can have the hope of eternity with Jesus in heaven Forever, we believe in the eternal life of all believers in a new heaven and a new earth. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes, we, we entitled this series we're going through, Belief, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 Verses 9 and 10, it says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned. Turned how? How you turned? Turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. I bet in this room there would be some reports about how you turned. Reports about how your life turned, turned away from sin and turned towards salvation to Jesus Christ. That's what the term repent means. It means to turn, to turn. <laughs> and the grace of God, it transforms our lives. When the grace of God interacts with us, it doesn't leave us in the way it finds us. It changes us. And our lives are changed. We turn away from sin and we turn towards Jesus. 
in Jude 23 and 24. It says, to save others by snatching them. Well, that's a very aggressive term. What's the context here? Save others by snatching them out of the fire. And this is like doing the work of a firefighter, pulling somebody out of the flames. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to show others mercy with fear. Hating even the garment stained by the flesh. In other words, rip them out of the danger, whatever it takes. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. I want you to know, I have a lot of joy knowing Jesus. I have a lot of joy having salvation in Jesus. It's why when we come together to worship the Lord, we have a moment of joy where we bring gifts to him. I'm thankful to regularly bring gifts to the Lord with joy, to say thank you. I am so grateful for what the Lord has done in my life. Statement number one, truth number one, we believe in the eternal life of all believers in a new heaven and a new earth. Truth number two flows out of truth number one and that upon physical death, they, the believers, go immediately to be with Christ in heaven awaiting their future bodily resurrection at the second coming of Christ. So what happens when a believer dies physically? Well, we just heard a bunch of opinions in the video about what some people think happens when people die. Some pretty varied uh, perspectives there. But I want to share with you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And this would be a place in your Bible you want to have marked. Because the curse of death is going to impact your life. It already has. And it's going to impact your life again. And when the curse of death comes knocking in your world... You need to have 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 handy so that you can have comfort in knowing what is true about a believer when a believer dies. Starting in verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, family of God, about those who are asleep, dead. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. As a Christian, I grieve. I grieve over suffering. I grieve over sin. I grieve over pain, I grieve over death, but I don't grieve the way the world grieves. I don't grieve as those who have no hope because I grieve, but I grieve with hope. I have hope in Jesus Christ. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. In other words, believers in Jesus Christ who have died, they get there first. They get there first. For the, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. That is going to be an incredible moment. You will not miss it. You don't got to worry about missing that moment. Everyone will know when that moment happens. And the dead in Christ will rise first. I think that's pretty clear. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Wow! How's that going to happen? I have no idea, but I'm really excited about it. Super excited for that moment. How are all the believers from all time going to be caught up together with the Lord in the clouds? Not sure. Pretty exciting. I'm really looking forward to that moment. 
we're going to all learn something together. Therefore, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is an exciting truth. It's an exciting truth that upon physical death, believers go immediately to be with Christ in heaven, awaiting their future bodily resurrection at the second coming of Christ. I have shared this passage at so many memorials. I have shared this passage counseling with people. I've shared this passage to myself when my own loved ones in Christ have died. This is an incredible passage that teaches us about what happens to a believer when they physically die. They're going to be with Jesus and they're gonna be with Jesus forever. Truth number two, that upon physical death they go immediately to be with Christ in heaven awaiting their future bodily resurrection at the second coming of Christ. The first two truths here, exciting, encouraging. We get to truth number three, and the tone changes. Truth number, tr- number three. And in the resurrection of all unbelievers, the first two truths had to do with believers. Number three, unbelievers. And in the resurrection of all unbelievers to stand before the great white throne judgment of God from which they will be cast into eternal fire and everlasting punishment. Wow. That is a very sobering statement. When I read that statement, when I read it out loud, when I hear myself read it out loud, that is a very sobering statement. Jesus himself in Matthew 25, verse 46, he declares this, and these will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Jesus himself declares, there's two categories. One goes away to eternal punishment and one goes away to eternal life. Jesus declares, there's a final judgment. Paul, he writes to the church in Rome and he asks a great question. What if God, what if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power? Let's stop right there. Can God do that? Can God desire to show his wrath? Can God desire to make known his power? Is God able to do that? He's saying, what if God wants to do that? What if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power has endured with much patience Vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. God is sovereign, which means he's in charge. I'm not. You're not. God is sovereign. And everything God does is righteous. Everything God does is good. Everything God does is just. And God can choose to do what he wants to do. And he doesn't need to check with you first. God is sovereign. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, it's an incredible picture of the future. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, 
which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea, the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name, name, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The name has to be found written in the book of life. My name has to be found written in the book of life. Your name has to be found written in the book of life. And you might right now be thinking, why is my pastor so depressing? You might be wondering, is my name written in the book of life? How can I know if my name is written in the book of life? What must be true for my name to be written in the book of life? Well, here's where we're going to turn to John chapter 10 for an incredibly personal encouragement from our Lord Jesus. And here's a bonus truth. If you are in Christ, the shepherd knows your name. If you are in Christ, the shepherd knows your name. And you don't have to be worried about whether the shepherd knows your name if you are in Christ Jesus. Today might be a great day for some of you because you're either going to be really encouraged that you're in Christ or you're going to be really encouraged to come to Christ today. Because if you're in Christ, the shepherd knows your name. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold, so Jesus is using an illustration here. It's about a sheepfold. What is a sheepfold? A sheepfold is an enclosed area for sheep. It's a protected environment for sheep. And he's now using this as an illustration. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, so the door is the right way to come in to the sheepfold. He's saying whoever does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, so climbing in another way, that's like breaking in the wrong way into the sheepfold. He says that man is a thief and a robber, and that's, that's a real opposition. Real opposition to the, to the sheepfold is at hand. He says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So there's oversight for the sheep and and the oversight comes in the form of a shepherd who comes through the door. And to him, the gatekeeper opens. So the person guarding the gate opens up and welcomes in the oversight for the sheep. The sheep hear his voice. There's an audible recognition that the sheep have for the voice of the shepherd. And he, the shepherd, calls his own sheep by Name. And he calls his own sheep by name. Personal identification the shepherd has for the sheep. And he leads them out. There's directed leadership. 
The shepherd knows the sheep by name, calls the sheep by name, leads the sheep by name. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice. They welcome the shepherd's oversight. They follow the shepherd's leadership. This is a picture of incredible trust that the sheep have for their shepherd. Verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, so there's a difference between the sheep that are the shepherd's own and the sheep that are not the shepherd's own. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. So the shepherd prepares the way. The shepherd leads. The shepherd goes out in front. The shepherd makes sure it's safe to proceed. He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. This is relational leadership that the shepherd has with the sheep. Verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Sheep know the difference between the genuine shepherd and a counterfeit stranger. The shepherd knows the sheep by name. It is very, very personal. Verse 7, so Jesus again says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door. I'm the door of the sheep. So now we see that Jesus is the door. Jesus is the only entrance for the sheep. Verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. So others have tried to be the door, but they're thieves and they're robbers. Others have tried to be the door for the sheep and they failed miserably. But the sheep did not listen to them because the sheep know when they're in a presence of a fake because the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. In verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So here now we see that Jesus is the entrance to salvation. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Sheep know when they've experienced health and safety. And sheep know who was with them when they experienced health and safety. They they know the shepherd was with them. And sheep also know when it isn't safe. There's no fooling the sheep because the sheep know their shepherd. Verse 10, the thief, the thief comes only, very focused, the thief is very focused, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And that is a description of real danger. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's real danger. Contrasted by Jesus, he says, I came that they may have life. That's to possess real life and have it abundantly. That's to possess life overflowing. The theological dictionary of the New Testament describes the word abundantly as the superabundance, that's a fun word, the superabundance of the blessing of salvation, which Christ, as distinct from false prophets, which Christ will give believers. The abundant life. That's what the sheep experiences with the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Jesus now says, I'm the good shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd who knows the sheep by name. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So here we see the illustration really come in its fullness. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the entrance. He gives protection, oversight. He calls the sheep by name. The voice of Jesus is recognized by his sheep and the sheep respond. The sheep of Jesus trust Jesus. They follow Jesus. Some sheep belong to Jesus. Some sheep do not. Jesus goes before his sheep to prepare their way and Jesus is in relationship with his sheep. Sheep 
that are in relationship with Jesus know when it is genuinely him, and they know when it is a false counterfeit. The sheep of Jesus know that Jesus is the only door that they can enter in, and there's no other way into the sheepfold. The sheep of Jesus, they have faced the fakes, and they have refused to follow them. The sheep of Jesus know that Jesus is the only way to be saved, to be healthy, to be safe, to be whole. The sheep of Jesus aren't fooled. Why? Because Jesus is the good shepherd and Jesus has laid down his life for the sheep and the sheep know him. The sheep know that the good shepherd has laid down his life for them. The sheep know Jesus and Jesus knows the sheep by name. There's only one Jesus. Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, and he is the good shepherd. That's contrasted in verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He, the hired hand, flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. There is zero security in a bad shepherd. None. The sheep don't belong. The sheep are attacked. The sheep are destroyed. All while the bad shepherd runs away. Look at the difference in Jesus Christ as the shepherd of his sheep. I, in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. This is about having an actual relationship with God. Jesus knows the Father, and Jesus knows his own. How does Jesus know his sheep? Jesus sacrifices his own life for his sheep. And Jesus does it willingly. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. There's a good shepherd. And the sheep who belong to the good shepherd are known by name to the good shepherd. And you might be here right now and you go, I don't know if that applies for me. I don't know if I'm one of the sheep that the shepherd has laid down his life for. I don't know if Jesus laid down his life for me. I've got a lot of bad stuff in my past. I've got a lot of bad stuff in my history. And I don't know if I'm the type of person that Jesus lays down his life for. I don't know if I'm the type of sheep that the good shepherd lays down his life for. Well, I wanna encourage you. Recently, I sat down with my friend Melissa and she shared with me her, her testimony. And I wanna share with you a clip from her testimony to encourage you that there's a good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Let's watch this together. And so my first Tuesday home, I came to celebrate recovery and I was like, they're like worshiping, but they're talking about drug addiction. This is so weird. <laughs> so I kept coming back. I was like, wow, you guys can talk about that stuff here? Wow. And that was the first time in my life that I believed that all those mm. prayers 
and all those years of all that suffering and crying out to God and trying to get to know him and trying to make sense of the pain and my identity and why I was trying to numb, it all made sense. And immediately the obsession was lifted. I never thought about drugs and alcohol ever again. I just thought about Jesus and what he could do in my life. And I hit the ground running. I got into a step study right away. I got a sponsor right away. I started working the steps and I just, I gave, I gave it my all. I gave it everything I had. I stopped going to secular recovery. I knew I needed the 12 steps and that was vital to walk me through why I became an addict, but I needed Jesus more. And that's what Celebrate Recovery is, is we're pointed right to Jesus, to his healing power and to who he is. And that's what I needed. I needed to reconcile everything that I felt to my creator. Like it needed to make sense to me. And through that relationship, it's made sense to me. I identify with so many stories in the Bible. My favorite was the story of Joseph. I read it over and over and over again in the beginning because it's like, all that suffering for him to come out on the other side and just make such a godly decision in his life. And it's like, that's the character that I want to be. I want to go through all of this, but in the end, I want to glorify the Lord. And so that's what I did. And I just kept coming back and, and I've never left. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and the sheep know that the good shepherd has done this for them the sheep recognize the good shepherd verse 16 Jesus says I've got other sheep that are not of this fold there's more sheep I must bring them also Jesus will get more sheep and they will listen to my voice more sheep will follow Jesus so there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is the sheep being united in the good shepherd. And I wonder who's the next sheep Jesus is going to go get. That they might follow him, recognize his voice, enter into the sheepfold. Understand that the good shepherd has laid down his life for them. I've been praying very specifically for my neighborhood. So I, I drew a line around my neighborhood. It's like my perimeter of prayer. And I've been praying by name for my neighbors in my neighborhood. And something really crazy has happened. As I've been driving into my neighborhood, when I pass the perimeter of prayer, it's like all of a sudden I'm reminded I need to be praying for my neighbors. God, who is one of my neighbors that you are gonna to call to be one of your sheep. That they're gonna realize you're the good shepherd and that you lay down your life for the sheep. God, who's the next person in my neighborhood who's gonna be called by name to become one of your sheep, a sheep of the good shepherd? The passage continues in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. This is an incredible encouragement to the sheep, 
to know that you have security in the hand of the good shepherd. Those who are saved are known by name by the good shepherd and their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And if you know the good shepherd, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you should be incredibly encouraged today to know that the good shepherd knows you by name and that you are saved. Do you know the good shepherd? Does he know you by name? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Maybe today you want to make sure you know the good shepherd. Maybe today you want to make sure that your name is known and that you have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, there's no better time than to accept the grace of God than right now. And if you're here and you know today's the day, you need to repent of your sin, you need to turn away from your sin, and you need to turn towards Jesus, turn towards the grace of God, that you might find forgiveness in Jesus for your sin. I want you to know if you're here and that describes you, I wanna pray for you right now. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, for anyone who's here, that today's the day for them, for them to be called by name by the Good Shepherd. God, I pray that you would really encourage them right now. And if that's you, and today's the day that you're gonna be called by name by the Good Shepherd, I just wanna encourage you to repent of your sin, to tell God, God, I'm repenting of my sin. I'm turning away from my sin. I would encourage you to tell him that right now. God, I'm repenting of my sin. And that you would accept the grace that God has. Tell God, God, I want to accept your grace. I want to accept the free gift. I want to accept salvation. And God wants you to believe. So tell God, God, help me to believe. Ask him. Ask him to help you. God, I'm repenting of my sin. I want to trust in Jesus. Help me believe. God, I want to believe in you. I want to believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior of my sin. Tell God right now. And if that's you, I would encourage you to thank God. Thank him. God, thank you that you're gracious. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you forgive me of my sin. Thank you that you're helping me to believe. Thank you that you're helping me to trust in Jesus Christ. Thank you that I have salvation. Thank you that my name is known by the Good Shepherd. Thank you that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing among us. And God, we love you, and we're so grateful that you're the good shepherd, and we're grateful to be sheep in the sheepfold. And so God, we want to say thank you. We love you, Lord, and I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. amen.